Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a conversation with Craig Swartz. He is the Democrat hoping to upset incumbent Bob Latta for Ohio's 5th District seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Also this morning, can regular multivitamins help prevent cognitive decline as we age? A closer look at a recent scientific study which points to an encouraging link between the two. And getting that first driver's license is a rite of passage for teens, which leads to a rite of passage for parents getting their first car. KBB is out with their list of the best cars for young drivers. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, October 20th, 2022. And today, if you need a reason to celebrate, it is International Chefs Day. It is Miss American Rose Day, National Brandied Fruit Day, the National Day on Writing, Office Chocolate Day. Take some chocolates to the office today and share those. You'd be very, very popular at the office. National Youth Confidence Day, National Suspenders Day. National Get Smart About Credit Day. It is World Osteoporosis Day. National Chicken and Waffles Day. Conflict Resolution Day. And today is Community Media Day. To celebrate all of those uh, local sources of community news and information. Like ours. So... Community Media Day today. Where would think about it? Where would we be uh, without? I don't mean to toot our own horn, but I guess this is a day for that. Where would we be without local community media? It is uh, a bit of a lost art, but uh, in any event, something to uh, think about. Here are some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. If you needed any more proof that you need to get more sleep, Consider this, a long-term study out of the UK in which researchers tracked nearly 8,000 individuals over the course of 25 years. This is a study a quarter century in the making, and what they found is that those who were age 50 and older who reported getting five hours of sleep or less a night are at greater risk of developing multiple chronic diseases than their better sleeping counterparts. The finding is the result of data culled over the course of 25 years on thousands of individuals in Great Britain, but again, human nature being what it is, even though this was a study conducted in Great Britain, by extension, the results would apply to everyone globally. Um, they, uh, checked their health, the health of these individuals at various times over the course of a quarter century. And those who were aged 50 or higher were found to have a 30% high, higher risk of health problems from obesity to heart and kidney disease, 30% higher re- risk of these health problems. Uh, The older they got, the higher the risk. At age 60, it jumped up to 32% for sleep-deprived folks. And at 70, the risk was 40%. You're 40% more likely to have these health problems like obesity, heart disease, kidney disease uh, if you get 
five hours or sleep, uh, five hours or less sleep per night. The same risks for health problems uh, were not found in long sleepers who managed nine hours of shut eye every night. Although the scientists, the researchers admitted that they couldn't find enough test subjects who actually got nine hours or more of sleep to adequately compare the results. So that's kind of interesting. Making things worse for the average sleep-deprived person is the fact that the study group were civil servants, with many being more active than average folks. So they went into it. These individuals in the study actually went into it with a better uh, chance of avoiding some of these health problems because they were more active. The researchers tackled the study because multimorbidity is on the rise, as reflected in over half of older adults having at least two chronic diseases in high-income countries, making multimorbidity a major public health challenge. The study does track with the recommendation of seven to nine hours, seven to nine hours of sleep a night for better health, according to the CDC here in the U.S. So, yeah, I know that's kind of a long story, but uh, the long and short of it is uh, those who get less sleep more likely to suffer from more chronic diseases and more serious chronic diseases as they age. Now, that being said, this is kind of interesting. As many as two-thirds of Americans use sleep aids to address their trouble in catching the adequate number of Zs a night. Common remedy is melatonin, which is a hormone used in our sleep-wake cycles. And generally, sleep expert Brant Hustler says generally melatonin is safe, but it needs to be used appropriately. And that may not be happening across the board, he says. So how do you know if you are taking melatonin safely? It is a supplement that is not regulated by the FDA, so you may want to consult your doctor before using it. Dr. Hustler also advises against the extended release formulations. Do not use those. High doses can also lead to grogginess. And if you are using melatonin to avoid jet lag while traveling... You use the supplement when traveling east within the United States. So there you go. Some advice on that. Um, Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Did you know I was flabbergasted when I saw this? Did you know that Cookie Monster's name, real name, is not Cookie Monster? Apparently, Cookie Monster is just a nickname. Cookie Monster's real first name is is Sid. I know. I was I was shocked and flabbergasted all of these years. I mean, calling him Cookie Monster, thinking that was his real name. Apparently, that's a nickname. Cookie Monster tweeted about this yesterday, saying that his real name was Sid. Who knew? Wow. That's like a part of my childhood has been lost there. <clears throat> anyway. Uh... I don't know why that jumped out at me, but hey, that was shocking news. Um, we've got Halloween right around the corner. Thanksgiving is coming up after that. And yes, your holiday meal is going to cost more this year. Due to the impact of bird flu, the price of turkeys may double this Thanksgiving. 
Um, not only the bird flu, impact of the bird flu, but also farmers faced increased prices for feed to feed those turkeys and fatten them up. And the cost of that could be passed on to the consumer as well. Uh, lower industry-wide turkey supplies are expected to keep prices higher near term. Uh, according to um, this uh, expert of the USDA, they say the, and I don't have his name. I don't know who. Oh, Jac Jacinth Smiley. Okay. Anyway. Uh, the USDA says the cost of an 8 to 16 pound turkey is $1.99 a pound compared to $1.15 last year. That's how much of a jump we're going to see. $1.99 uh, a pound compared to $1.15 last year. Now, that being said, uh, supermarkets typically put turkeys on deep discounts around Thanksgiving as a sort of a loss leader to draw people in and hopefully spend money on all of the other fixins they need for the Thanksgiving feast. So the turkey itself, we may not see the full impact of that because uh, grocery stores uh, may eat the cost difference and, uh, and sell them for cheap anyway, but they may not be as cheap as there has been discounts in past years. I, my wife reminded me, that uh, we have our Thanksgiving turkey already. It's been sitting in the freezer since last year. <laughs> she reminded me, and I had forgotten we did this. We actually bought a turkey last year, uh, and then we realized we were having more people over than we had initially counted on, and so we needed a larger turkey. We went out and bought a bigger bird, and with the idea, we just put the other one, the smaller one, in the freezer and use it next year. And here it is next year. And so we already have our bird. It worked out pretty well for us. But anyway. And uh, how about this? Uh, speaking of the season, we get to get through Halloween. We get to Thanksgiving. And then before you know it, it's going to be winter time. Feels a little bit like winter time when you step out uh, here today. A city in Wisconsin has officially repealed the law against snowball fights. Believe it or not, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, it had previously been illegal to throw snowballs. And you would think of all of the places, uh, someplace in the snow belt to outlaw snowball fights, that's just un American. But uh, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, just outside of Madison, the city council voted this week to roll back its decades-old ordinance that included snowballs in the list of things that you cannot throw in public. One city alderman discovered the snowball ban last year while rereading the city code book. You know, the, you know... Uh, all of the city, city ordinances, he was going through them all and found that snowball fights, throwing snowballs, is actually illegal in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. He said uh, there are a number of old laws that the city needs to revisit. And he did point out that it does not appear that anyone was ever arrested or ticketed for throwing snowballs in Sun Prairie. But just the same, they have repealed the law. And it is about time. It is about time. Let me tell you that. <clears throat> and this may be the most interesting story of the day. Uh, and 
you have to wonder what what took so long. Apparently, there is a new champagne on the market specifically designed to be enjoyed in space. Uh, it has been five years in the making. Both the drink and the bottle are designed with the unique properties of zero gravity in mind. They are the first to be certified as meeting the standards required for travel in space. <laughs> the, the champagne bottle dispenses a sphere of bubbly that astronauts can gulp as they float. Uh, and yes, it is a French, a real French champagne. It is the Mum Cordon Rouge Stellaire. Uh, I think I've got that right. As my best French imitation. Astronaut Jean-Francois Clairvoy said, In space, it is essential to maintain a link with Earth and its culture. So, champagne in space is very important. Uh, of course, the champagne is aimed specifically to cater to the burgeoning space tourism industry, promoted by private operators like Virgin Galactic, SpaceX, and Blue Origin. Don't expect champagne on a NASA flight anytime soon, but these private carriers, I can see them throwing a New Year's party in space, now complete with champagne. So, wow. Now we have everything. Now we have everything. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy skies, can be expected today, a high in the low 50s. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 35. The Finley Police Department is asking the public for help in identifying two people they say use stolen credit cards at local stores. Police say the individuals you can see in the surveillance pictures on our website went to area stores and used several credit cards that have been stolen during reported thefts in the area. Anybody with information on the theft suspects is urged to contact police and they can also contact Crime Stoppers and may be eligible for a reward. Get more on the website. The uh, Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce held its 2022 Small Business Awards at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. We spoke with Mike Gomez of Garden Central after they won the Family-Owned Small Business of the Year Award. Winning this award, what does it mean to, to you guys to win this? Well, it means quite a bit because, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that with a little bit of hard work, you know, you can get some stuff done. And we appreciate Finley for giving us the opportunity to do this here in this town. Mike's wife, Kim, is the current owner of Garden Central, which opened in Finley in the spring of 2008 and is located at 430 East Main Cross. You can get more on this award and see all the award winners from the Small Business Awards on the website. The Finley-Hancock County Alliance Board of Directors has announced that Don Bruce will serve as the organization's president and CEO effective October 24th. He follows Glenn Jost, who retired in September. After 37 years, Don retired earlier this year from Cooper Tire, where he served as vice president of Global Quality. The alliance says Don has a proven track record of developing and executing annual business plans to assure continual growth and viability of organizations. Ohio Treasurer Robert Sprague of Finley joined the Hancock County Commissioners in announcing a new partnership between the two offices. Sprague recognized the commissioners for having Hancock County become the fourth county in the state to participate in the Stable Account Program, which is a specialized savings and investment account for people living with disabilities. This partnership is a way for us to recognize during National Disabilities Employment Month uh, the value of individuals with disabilities to our economy. 
As Sprague mentioned, October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. You can get more on that and the Stable Account Program on the website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Now to our cover story this morning. It is the longstanding policy on this program that during election season we offer up uh, availability uh, time slots on this program to uh, any and all candidates who request it in an effort to make sure that voters are fully informed about the uh, candidates and issues they will uh, find on the ballot when they go to uh, election day. With that in mind, we are joined this morning by Craig Swartz. He is the Democrat vying for Ohio's 5th district seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. And, Craig, thanks very much for uh, taking some time for us uh, this morning. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Chris. As uh, you are no doubt aware, you would be considered the underdog uh, in this race, (laughs) number one, because it is always difficult for a newcomer to unseat an incumbent. Uh, regardless of party, but then also you are the blue candidate in a very solidly red district. So what do you bring to the table in this race? Well, I bring to the table a moderate stance, and I want uh, listeners to know that uh, even though I've got a D after my name, I've been living in this part of the uh, state for about 20-some years now, a little over 20 years, and I've come to appreciate everyone's point of view, uh, particularly on the conservative side, because I haven't been living in a red part of the state for a while. And it's been a real eye-opener for me, and it it has educated me politically so much, and that's why I have a much broader perspective. I don't want people to paint me in a corner already. I want people to listen to some of the ideas that I have and how they they, they can attract a wide audience. Such as, give us some examples uh, of that uh, red influence, if you will. Well, the, the one thing that everybody has on their mind right now is the economy. And that is probably the top issue, uh, along with obviously with political civil rights mm-hmm. being debated. But my idea right now to spark a lot of economic, economic activity in this area is my All-American Tax Act. And this would be the first tax act in the history of this country that would benefit every single American equally. It's never been done before. And what I mean by that is the first $36,000 of everybody's income would be federally tax-free. That would mean an extra three to $400 per month bump in their paycheck. And so for those people that are working, particularly in the Finley area, and a lot of the warehousing, manu- like manufacturing and everything, are making maybe $17, $18 an hour, you're going to see a three to $4,000 increase per year tax-free. That's going to really help with a lot of the gas prices increases, the fluctuations that we're seeing, food, energy, rent, everything. So how does that, uh, how, how is that paid for? Because uh, obviously that's, that's going to impact, okay, yeah. impact yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, federal income. It's paid for by tightening up the 2017 tax cut that went to the ultra-wealthy. That did not benefit any ordinary American, let's say. The other thing, too, is they increased the taxes. That was sunsetted, the rules in there. And so anybody making $75,000 or less are now going to be paying higher taxes next year. So you want to fix those loopholes, get those hedge fund guys that are making millions and millions of dollars to start paying their fair share. 
And so the t- 2017 tax cut, you want to you want to fix that. And that's how you're going to pay for the for the All American Tax Act. It's interesting you use uh, those uh, wordings, and that's uh, very uh, popular among Democrats, uh, getting the uh, wealthy to, quote-unquote, pay their fair share. This uh, sounds a, a little bit like uh, much of the, the same stuff that we've heard all along, just kind of dressed up differently. Well, on the tax act, remember that that was, that was shoved down all our throats uh, very quickly through Congress. Uh, through the Trump administration without really very little forethought. And that was a Republican passed bill unanimously on their side. No Democrats really, I don't think any Democrats voted for it. Mm -hmm. And because they had a majority. So there were things in there that were very egregious for the, uh, you know, that that, uh, affecting the middle class in in this country. And like I said, they sunsetted some of the, you everybody thought, Oh, I'm going to get a, get a tax cut. No, it was, it was sunset. It was temporary. And now your taxes are going up on the middle class, uh, next year. So there was a lot of smoke and mirrors with that and it benefited the 1%. So this is not something I know you've heard, you've heard this bandied about before, but this is this, this is something that the Biden administration tried to fix, and this is what Kirsten Cinema objected to, because she was answering to the big banks and the, and, uh, and the wealthy. Let me step back uh, here uh, before we get before we get too deep into uh, into policy. And there are a yeah, couple yeah, of other yeah. questions that I want to ask uh, with respect to that. This is your first run for elected office, is it not? No, 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 no. I've got a 250 batting average, I like to say. <laughs> I served I served on city council in Upper Sandusky between 2003 and 2007. Okay. I, I ran for mayor after that, ran, ran for state rep as a Democrat, and then I stayed out of politics for 10 years, and I ran for state senate in 2020. So, but this is a, a big jump from uh, city council, which is the previous elected office you have held, to yep. the U.S. House of Representatives. Why that big why that big jump? Why this office? Because of the nature of the of what's going on with the political climate. Uh, I had sat out of politics, as I said, for 10 years, but I decided to get back into it because I saw the direction of the country. Um, you know, after the Trump administration, after John Kasich's administration in Ohio, uh, taking away a lot of the local government funds, this is what Kasich was doing. He was usurping a lot of power local authority away from you know local uh, townships and, and governments county governments and everything and centralizing in, in columbus a number of other things were going obviously with political and civil rights so it was going in the wrong direction and i thought you know in this situation i was actually going to run in cleveland when gonzalez said he was going to step down and i'm from cleveland originally from that part so i was contemplating last year this time to go run there but i've come to appreciate so much this part of the state that I believe that an alternative voice had to be put out there for the people to at least hear some new ideas, new directions. And that's why I'm running. Um, we talked about uh, uh, taxes, uh, your your plan on uh, taxes, and you referenced uh, energy prices, that your tax plan would help uh, with energy prices. There would be some who would argue what would really help with energy prices is a uh, more uh, broad energy policy. What is, oh, yeah. what is your policy with respect to uh, energy, particularly U.S. energy? Well, I want to counter a couple of misconceptions out there. Um, we are theoretically, and I should say technically, uh, energy independent already. We are the world's largest oil exporter. 
oil companies right now find it better for them to export their oil abroad and get a higher price than keeping the supplies here. That's contributing to the higher price right now. The oil companies uh, are really, uh, let's say, gaming a system. But yeah, we want it. You want to have a national energy plan. And we should have had one after the 73, 73 oil embargo. We've never had one, and that's largely because of the interests you know, in play here. Oil companies and other major energy producers don't want the United States to have some kind of plan. We need that. I believe in a basket of energy, meaning that you have to have, I want nuclear power back in the, back in the fold. I want to transition um, off of uh, coal. And then you use natural gas. We have energy supplies here in Ohio that we can be using. You do it the right way, as clean and as efficient as possible. And then eventually, over 20, 30 years, you're going to be transi- transitioning off power generation using fossil fuels. You're always going to have natural gas. You're always going to have oil because it affects all of our products. But the power generation has to get to, to clean energy. You've got to do it. And lastly, let me uh, just kind of uh, toss this out there sort of open-endedly. We mentioned taxes, we mentioned energy, which I think are probably uh, two of the issues on the minds of most voters. What are the other uh, key aspects of your uh, candidacy, the the, uh, issues that you are focused on? Well, women's women's reproductive rights and the decision uh, after Dobbs by the Supreme Court effectively uh, wiped out half the country's rights to decide what they could do with their bodies. You, that's that's pretty major, and they're gonna if they keep going in that direction, you're gonna be you're losing other rights. The, pres- the president has said that uh, if uh, Democrats ma- uh, maintain a majority in Congress, that he will introduce a bill, promote a bill that would codify uh, the rights in Roe v. Wade. Would you be uh, supportive of that? Yes. Craig Swartz is the Democrat vying for Ohio's 5th District seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, challenging uh, incumbent Bob Latta. And uh, you have a website where folks can learn more about your positions uh, on the issues, more about you as a candidate uh, as well, right? Correct. The website is uh, obviously www.swartzforohio.com, S-W-A-R-T-Z-F-O-R, Ohio. We will link that up on our webpage as well, so folks can find it there. Again, uh, Craig Swartz, thanks very much for uh, taking the time uh, this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care. Well, to your health this morning, right around the age of 70, roughly two-thirds of Americans begin to experience cognitive impairment on some level. And while it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion, it does mean that it might be time to start supporting your cognitive abilities and your memory. And joining us this morning with some tips, some advice for older adults on cognitive function is health and nutrition expert, Dr. Jeffrey Blumberg. And let me start with that basic question. I can hear some folks saying, you know, I'm in my 70s now, but I'm as sharp as I've ever been. Why is this important for me? Well, it's important to understand that small decrements in cognitive performance is a normal part of the aging process. However, older adults are at very high risk for suboptimal vitamin and mineral intakes, and that results in decrements in generalized systemic health as well as in brain health. Interestingly, 25% of Americans over the age of 50 um, are now taking dietary supplements to support their brain health. 
But until now, the scientific evidence for this benefit has been pretty limited. And to that end, a recent study uh, has found a connection between multivitamins, regular multivitamins, and cognitive health. Tell us more about this. Yeah, that's actually very exciting um, new data um, coming out of Wake Forest University, where the investigators undertook the Cosmos Mind Study. This is a double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized clinical trial of over 2,200 generally healthy men and women over the age of 65. And they tested a broad-spectrum multivitamin, multimineral, they used Centrum Silver, against the placebo, and they found significant improvements in cognitive performance, particularly in episodic memory. That's the ability to recall past and even pretty recent experiences, and also improvements in executive function. Those are all of the brain processes that go into making decisions and you make, that you make every minute, every hour, every day. And they found this, these really significant benefits and although the study didn't go in to look at the mechanisms of action um, underlying that benefit, we know, as I mentioned, that, that um, older adults are at really increased risk for vitamin and mineral inadequacy. The human brain is only 2% of our body weight, um, but it, it consumes 20% of our caloric energy to support its metabolism. And we know that all of those metabolic steps are dependent on optimal vitamin and mineral intake, which the Centrum Silver Supplement um, clearly was providing. So to be clear, do we know enough from this study to delineate between correlation and causation? Yes, we do. This was not an observational study of a general population that was just followed doing whatever they want. This was a randomized clinical trial where half of the subjects took a placebo, half of the subjects took a Centrum Silver multivitamin, multimineral. <clears throat> so this is the best research design to determine causality. So yes, we can say that this is a demonstration that a multivitamin, multimineral actually caused the improvement. This was over a three-year span of time hmm. um, that they saw in the test group. So uh, pretty significant uh, findings in this study and obviously a uh, significant message uh, to older Americans that a multivitamin regimen is a very good thing for your cognitive health. What about other uh, things that we can do? Any other uh, tips and advice for older adults uh, on um, maintaining or even improving their cognitive function along with that? Yeah, there, there are actually several strategies that you can follow. One, of course, is you want to stay mentally active, um, and whether that's through pursuing hobbies or volunteering in ways that help other people, but you also need to stay physically active. That also promotes cognitive health. Um, managing your stress, getting a good night's sleep, and of course, eating a healthy diet. But now we know, in addition, that taking a multivitamin, multimineral like Centrum Silver can also promote cognitive health. Really important news this morning. Uh, health and nutrition expert Dr. Jeffrey Blumberg with us this morning. Tell us where you can get more information on this, uh, this study. Well, you can go to centrum.com that provides lots of background, background information on the Cosmos Mind study and also links to the article itself. Dr. Blumberg, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. I have a fly that is like driving me bananas here in the studio. Shoo this fly. I'm going to, my fear is I'm going to 
start swinging my arms at this fly and I'm going to whack the microphone. And if you <laughs> suddenly sounds like I've <laughs> fallen off my chair here, that's what's going on. Uh, broken news. Yes, today's uh, update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to us a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. A woman in Springfield, Massachusetts, has been arrested after allegedly unleashing a swarm of bees on police who were serving an eviction notice. Rory Woods reportedly launched the sting operation. (laughs) But I'm bum. On October 12th, as deputies secured the premises of a million dollar home, that was being foreclosed on uh, donning a beekeeper suit. She liberated several large hives. Uh, officers attempted to stop Ms. Woods, but were attacked by the bees. According to the police report, one officer had to be sent to the hospital because he was stung and he was allergic. Uh, he is recovering. Ms. Woods now faces charges of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. In this case, the bees. <laughs> I guess it would be a dangerous weapon, wouldn't it? I mean, that would yeah. crazy. <clears throat> she could be she reportedly could be heard as she was being hauled off to the cruiser. And they were talking, you know, that at least one officer who was allergic had been stung. She could be heard saying, good. Nice lady. Very nice. Um, <laughs> this this is the story of a woman who will not get any awards for mother of the year. A foster mom uh, will not be charged, but uh, she has lost custody of the uh, child in her care after a gun was found in a diaper bag that was dropped off with a child at a Cincinnati area daycare. (laughs) A loaded nine millimeter uh, single round in the chamber was found on Monday. Hamilton County deputies say the woman was not charged because the gun uh, was legally owned. However, Child Protective Services has removed the child from the woman's custody. Probably a good idea. (laughs) I can understand. I can understand forgetting that the gun was in the diaper bag. But why was the gun in the diaper bag to begin with? That's the question I have. Um, and apparently authorities have the same question. Also fairly close to home in the broken news, a Michigan man headed to prison for two and a half years for selling fake vintage baseball cards. Brian Kennert of Norton Shores, which is near Muskegon, Michigan, was sentenced in federal court this week for selling over $43,000 in collectible baseball cards that he presented as being original original and in unopened packs. The truth was that he had, in fact, opened the packs, and not only that, he had taken the original cards and replaced them with fakes before carefully resealing the packs and then selling them under false pretenses. That's a big no-no. Mr. Kennert uh, admitted to selling the fake cards for more than 30 years. He's headed to a prison for two and a half years. 
wonder if he has to make restitution to all of those people that he've defrauded over the course of three decades. My goodness. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, uh, Chappelle Norbu, uh, he's from Queens, went to the Itati Garden Grill in Jackson Heights, New York, and uh, placed an order. And I think we've all had this happen to us at one time or another. They got his order wrong. They messed it up. And uh, so he did what any reasonable person would do in that situation. Mr. Norbu torched the place. Yes, that's right. Video shows the 49-year-old suspect standing in front of the restaurant, dousing it with a flammable liquid, and then lighting it on fire earlier this month. Tried to burn the place down, all because they messed up his order. Uh, the restaurant, the front of the restaurant was damaged, but no one was hurt. Uh, Mr. Norbu is now facing arson charges. He admits that he was drunk during the incident. Oh, what a surprise. What a shock. He was uh, under the influence. Uh, he has been uh, released on his own recognizance and is due back in court to face arson charges later this year. I understand the frustration. I really do. I mean, I've been there where restaurants messed up an order and you want to just do something drastic and rash. But control yourself, man. Crews in Oklahoma uh, rescued a woman from a manhole on Wednesday. This is a crazy story. Yesterday, the uh, uh, city officials say the woman may have been stuck in the sewer for more than 24 hours, a full day before she was found. Yesterday afternoon, she was taken to the hospital. Her condition is unknown. Wow, that's crazy. And finally, in the broken news this morning, <laughs> uh, this from South Brooklyn, New York, where a mural plastered on the side of a building in the Gowanus neighborhood was meant to celebrate the area's identity. You know, it's in the Gowanus neighborhood, so somebody, you know, celebrating the community painted the word Gowanus across the side of the, the full side of the building. It's huge. The name uh, stretches in huge white letters across uh, the front of a, a music studio at 156 6th Street, the problem is the W in Gowanus is placed almost entirely on a garage door, meaning that if the door was ever to be opened, the W disappears, leaving the mural to read, Go Anus. <laughs> the, the, owner, the owner of the building, Louis Petrosino said, in reality, that can't happen because the door is sealed with uh, sealed with concrete at the bottom and insulation foam to prevent it from from moving. The building, uh, which was once a warehouse, has been converted into a music studio. And so they can't have the garage door opening and closing uh, because of the recording studio. Uh, so they have sealed it shut. It can't actually open. But uh, he says he's actually a little disappointed because it would be kind of funny <laughs> if they could. If they could open it, but they can't. Um, he does concede that he did not think about the placement of the letters before the mural was painted. Uh, the only problem with all of this 
is that uh, the mural is not at the rear of the building, if you know what I mean. That's That would be the only thing that would make that better. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ant Lance with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. The National Retail Federation reports that spending for the holiday will hit $10.6 billion this year. And when I say the holiday, I'm talking about Halloween, not uh, Thanksgiving, not Christmas. I'm talking about Halloween, this upcoming holiday, $10.6 billion we will spend on Halloween, that exceeds last year's $10.1 billion. And finally, we are back to pre-pandemic levels. So Halloween is back. Consumers plan, according to a survey of more than 8,200 American consumers, the average is $100 that we'll be spending on Halloween per person. That's candy, costumes, decorations, and so on. That is the second highest amount ever tracked. 47% of respondents started shopping in September or earlier for Halloween. Uh, 69% of those in the poll say that they are celebrating Halloween this year. That is a jump from 65% in 2021 and on track with the 68% that celebrated before COVID in 2019. Uh, 67% said that they are handing out candy to trick-or-treaters this year. 51% are decorating their home and or yard. 47% say they are dressing up for Halloween. One in five say they are putting their pets in costume. Spending on costumes alone expected to hit $2.9 billion. That is the highest number since 2017. Spending on pet costumes expected to reach a record $710 million. So nearly three quarters of a billion dollars we are spending on costumes for our pets. The most popular kids costume is Spider-Man. 2.2 million kids reportedly portraying the web slinger this Halloween. Nearly 2 million will dress up as their favorite princess. 1.6 million will be a witch. 1.3 million kids will be a ghost. Ranking fifth for kids costumes, other superheroes. <laughs> superheroes, other. <laughs> After Spider-Man. Uh, for adults, more than 5.3 million adults say that they will be a witch. More than 1.7 million will dress as a vampire. One and a half million will be a ghost. Nearly one and a half million will be a pirate. Uh, and then tying for fifth place, more than 1.2 million adults say they are going as a cat. Uh, the same number 
say superhero, just general super, all superheroes combined there, not any one in particular superhero. For pets, since we are spending three quarters of a billion dollars on our pets costumes this year, for pets, the most popular costumes are a pumpkin, a hot dog, a bat, a bumblebee, and a witch. Those are the top five in order for our pets. So Halloween by the numbers. And by the way, have you uh, gotten your Halloween candy yet? If you have not been to the store to buy your trick-or-treat candy for the kiddos uh, on uh, Beggar's Night, as we used to call it. Do they even call it Beggar's Night anymore, or am I being antiquated when I refer to it as Beggar's Night? Anyway, if you have not gotten your Halloween candy yet for trick-or-treat, don't worry. There's still plenty of it on store shelves. Uh, Most people uh, will wait until the week before trick-or-treat to get the Halloween candy. That's according to uh, data from Rite Aid. Uh, they uh, just uh, had a story. I saw a story, and I don't have it in front of me. I, w- I wish I did, but the long and short of it was Rite Aid says that according to their sales data, the week before Halloween is the biggest sales time for Halloween candy. And each day you get closer to Halloween, the amount of sales go up. <laughs> Well, getting that first driver's license, it is a rite of passage for teenagers that leads to a rite of passage for parents getting their teen that first car. Uh, Joining us this morning is Brian Moody. He is executive editor for Kelly Blue Book with some tips and advice on how to choose the best car for your teen. And Brian, obviously buying a car is always a big decision, even bigger when you know that you will be putting your kid behind the wheel. So what factors should we consider when car shopping for teenagers? Yeah, you should consider a few things right up front. Of course, affordability is, you know, your budget's going to dictate the kind of car that you get, but also consider reliability and consider certain safety features that should come on the car, either as standard or, you know, something that, that, you know, came from a car that you handed them down. So look for features like uh, anti-lock brakes, airbags, maybe even side airbags, stability control, traction control, blind spot monitoring uh, as an optional one. And if you really wanted to go full circle, you could get a 360-degree parking camera or a lane departure correction. But the, the main ones are the anti-lock brakes, airbags, traction control, and stability control. Now, it's it's kind of interesting because I remember when I got my first car, it was just, a, just an old clunker. Uh, it was certainly not up to date with uh, all of the latest uh, safety features uh, and so on. Uh, obviously, these days, some of those that you mentioned uh, are now standard equipment and have been for years, but you don't want to just go the cheapest, again, within your budget, but uh, you know, safety first and foremost. Right. What's interesting about that is a lot of people who are parents, so if you just take people who today are Gen X parents, right? So the car that they may have gotten in the 80s or in the, you know, maybe even the early 90s, it really wouldn't have been that much different mechanically than something that would have been from 20 or 30 years before. We Mm -hmm. didn't have anti-lock brakes or airbags. Today, we have that. So telling your kid, hey, save up your money and whatever you can get for uh, $3,000, that's what you're going to get. I get, I get the principle of it, but really that might not be the best thing. So what we're doing with our kids, we're saying, hey, we're going to supplement. 
so that you can get a safe car, and we're yeah. going to make sure that your car has airbags. I just feel like as a parent, it's irresponsible to give my kid a car that doesn't have, you know, airbags but, or anti-lock yeah. or whatever. It, and, and again, you know, uh, these are safety features that make uh, all drivers safer, but are particularly teenagers yeah. with that lack of driving experience need, uh, they become, you know, that much more important. So what are the cars that are at the top of your best cars for teens list this year? So in a variety of price ranges, even, even as far down as maybe five or $6,000, uh, cars like the Toyota Corolla is one you should be looking at. The Honda Civic, the Honda Accord, the Toyota Camry, all of those cars. Remember, we don't want to put them in big trucks or SUVs because those are easier to tip over. And these cars have reasonable reliability and good safety features. The Mazda 3 is a good one also. Be sure to get the touring or the grand touring version of that. That's where the safety features come in. Even something like a small SUV would be okay, like a Honda CRV or a Kia Sportage. Um, you know, if you can get up to a newer car, a Toyota RAV4 would be great. Um, those are ones that we think are worth considering, and they have the safety features that will keep your kids safe. Of course, if you can afford a brand new Volvo or whatever, say, okay, great, that's going to be terrific. But most people are not in that position. Yeah. Um, and, and just to underscore a point that, that you made, and I think was uh, really important, um, not all model years are created equal as well. Just because, I mean, right. some of the uh, vehicles on that list, uh, that doesn't apply necessarily to every model year of those vehicles. Some model years are obviously going to be better than others. Yes, and some trim levels within a certain model year. Yeah. So even if you have a 2015 car, whether it's an L, an LE, an XLE, or an SE, the safety equipment can vary within a model just based on that trim designation. So always look for the highest trim level that you can afford within that model year. And then, of course, it's also important to make sure that your kids know how to use the safety features that are how they uh, how they work, how to operate them, you know, what the car will do when the anti-lock brakes uh, activate or the stability control mm -hmm. or, you know, the lane departure uh, warning goes off, those kinds of things, you know, familiarize yourself with those systems. Right. And also do a little bit of research. Listen, there's some used Fords out there that have a great feature called MyKey, which allows the owner of the car to set parameters so that the car can't go a certain speed, the radio won't go above a certain volume. All these things can be set by the owner of the that has a master key, and then the secondary key is the kid's key, and it won't do certain things, such as the radio won't work if you don't put your seatbelt on, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, really leveraging some of these uh, safety features and technology to help uh, make young drivers safer on the road. Brian Moody is executive editor at Kelly Blue Book, again, out with this year's Best Cars for Teens list, which you have online, and folks can check this out, right? That's exactly right. You can go to Kelly Blue Book's website, which is kbb.com, and you want to look for the Best Cars section, and that's where you'll find the Best Cars for teen drivers. Brian, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, of course, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the pandemic saw a massive expansion of the federal school lunch program. Now there's a movement to make universal free lunches a permanent fixture. Plus, we'll preview the final week of high school football's regular season, another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen, and more. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.